This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time to put the spotlight on China right now. Yes, indeed. Several issues to discuss from Chinese Premier Li Keqiang's announcement that he will step down from his post next March, China's role in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and also the country's battle with COVID-19. Let's catch up with San Dod Wei, China Bureau Chief for The Straits Times on the line with us. Don, good morning. Um, let's start off with that one, right? Chinese Premier Li Keqiang confirming that he would step down from his post after his current term ends next March at his annual news conference last Friday. To what extent, Don, might this be a sign of a wider upcoming reshuffle amid questions also over the future of President Xi Jinping? And also give us your take on frontrunners to be Mr. Li's successor. Hi, good morning. Yes, there's never been any question that we can expect a reshuffle at the 20th Party Congress to be held in October or November this year. And Mr. Li is expected to step down as premier because he's already served two five-year terms, which is the limit. He could still stay on in the Politburo Standing Committee, which is the apex of power in China, but just not as premier. We have actually, in November last year, made some predictions about who some of the possible candidates are to become the next premier, and also the vice premiers, and those who could potentially make it into the Standing Committee. Essentially, who becomes the next premier hinges on China's informal 7-up, 8-down rule, which is an informal retirement age rule that sets 67 as the age limit for those who wish to be named to the Standing Committee or the wider Politburo. Anyone who is age 68 or older will not be able to qualify. Obviously, Mr. Xi, who's been in power for a decade now, is in a much stronger position to pull his allies into the political inner circle to serve alongside him. So we have our eyes on Li Tiang, Shanghai's party secretary, who is one of President Xi's men. But Mr. Xi also has to appease the other factions within the Communist Party. And so there's also a likelihood that current Vice Premier Hu Chunhua who has been groomed for years and is part of the Communist Youth League faction, he could be moved up to become Prime Minister. But if Mr. C. bends the retirement age rule, then, by seniority, current first-ranked Vice Premier Han Zheng could then become the next Premier. We've written quite a lot more than these three men, so please do go to the Straits Times website for our previous special report on who could be in China's next leadership lineup. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good article. You can head over to straightstimes.com. Just search up who will be in China's next leadership lineup. Those are the keywords that you can find that article. We've also got to discuss this issue, Don. It's been making headlines for the last few days. U.S. officials are saying that Russia has asked China for military equipment to support its invasion of Ukraine. And, of course, this came up during Jake Sullivan, U.S. National Security Advisor's talks with Yang Jiechi, China's top foreign policy official who has actually brushed off the claims. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, what do you know so far with regard to Mr. Sullivan's talk with Mr. Yang? What is the U.S. and China trying to achieve with this conversation. Of course, uh, will China heed U.S. and European calls to help contain the issues with regard to Ukraine? You know, with uh, Russia, as we Russia with uh, half of their resources frozen count on China. Tell us more. 
The Chinese Foreign Ministry's response yesterday to those reports that Russia had asked for military help was that the U.S. has been spreading false information against China about the Ukraine war and that it was done with sinister intentions. And it proceeded to repeat its official line that it has been playing a constructive role in promoting peace talks and that it was imperative that all parties exercise restraint. A Kremlin spokesperson has also come out to deny the reports, saying it has enough resources to complete its mission. China has signaled that it stands by Russia. Even after Russia invaded Ukraine, China has refused to condemn the attack or called it an invasion. And its foreign minister, Wang Yi, last week reinforced that point by categorizing Russia as its most important strategic partner and called the relationship rock solid. It's also been blaming the U.S. and other Western powers for backing President Vladimir Putin into a corner and called the U.S. the culprit in this war. So for it to suddenly turn around and work with the U.S. and Europe in trying to stop Putin seems quite unlikely. If anything, we can see that it's still keeping up with its attacks on the U.S., now siding with Russia in accusing the U.S. of running bioweapons labs in Ukraine and demanding the U.S. to answer for them. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Uh, Don, we were talking about this yesterday. Perhaps you could give us your insight. China scrambling to address its most severe COVID-19 outbreak in two years. They've reported soaring cases in a fresh wave that has seen the country tweak its zero COVID policy by allowing um, rapid antigen tests for public use. What's your perspective on what went wrong here for China, Don? Perhaps it's time for China to end its zero COVID policy, abandon it altogether. And to what extent can we really expect more? lockdowns to happen in China, considering that Shenzhen is already in lockdown now. Well, Shenzhen is not the most severely hit city. At least five cities in the northeastern province of Jilin have also been put under lockdown, and the province has also ordered people not to travel. The number of infections there has spiked over the past days, over a thousand cases a day and mostly in two cities, Changchun and Jilin City. You know the situation is bad when the government rushes to build temporary hospitals, and this has happened in Zilin. There have also been area lockdowns in Shanghai and Beijing as well, and with Omicron spreading so quickly, it is likely that we could see more lockdowns. The problem is, China, for the past two years, has been using the same reactive method to deal with COVID which involves mass testing and contact tracing, lockdowns and quarantines of close contacts, and shutting down factories and businesses. But the nature of the virus has changed, and China hasn't quite kept up with that. It hasn't, for instance, built capacity to deal with the evolving nature of the virus, but instead has kept to its old playbook. And it has done a cost-benefit analysis that says that it will be much more costly to loosen the reins because a massive surge in the number of infections will completely overwhelm its healthcare system. There are many questions about how it can possibly sustain itself, especially 
when its economy is facing multiple challenges this year and people are getting increasingly fatigued and disgruntled by this zero COVID policy and have started to question if it was time to consider coexisting with COVID instead, especially when Omicron has proven to be less fatal. But it will be hard for China to reverse the narrative that it's been touting, which is that its stringent COVID policy has worked and it's one of the most successful countries in the world to keep COVID in check. It will have to admit to the populace that its policy has failed in dealing with the Omicron variant and it is giving up. There are, of course, also doubts over the efficacy of its vaccines against Omicron. Okay, we've been speaking with Tan Donway, China Bureau Chief for The Straits Times. Appreciate your time. We'll catch up with you again next week. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.